Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome into episode 318 of the Sources Say podcast, your go to Kentucky basketball and uh, recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you, buddy? This this is what I feel like we're doing right now. Snap, snip, snap, snip, yeah, snap. Yeah. snap. <laughs> you understand how many? <laughs> that's like, that's what we're living right now. The Michael Scott snip, snap, snip. That that's that we are we are living that with Kentucky basketball. But my God, man, what what a blast! What a blast this team is. Well, like just the whole. I, I told you yesterday. I said I'm just going to flip it, and I'm actually going to be negative after this one, even though it was all positive. Just so everybody could be like, "Well, he's not negative when it's this. He's not positive when it's that." No, like you couldn't have scripted a better day in that building yesterday. You and we kept talking that at some point they were going to get one of those, one of those home ones. Like, and th- that was really the last big home game where you're kind of. Fired up, you got a top 15 team coming in. You let Gonzaga slip away. You let Florida slip away. Tennessee, like we know the record and, and what it was leading up to, to this one. But the overall intensity is what I take away from yesterday. And we'll get into it. Yeah, they gave up 95. But the intensity that they played with from start to finish on both offense and on defense, to me, was probably the biggest uh, takeaway. And uh, look, a, a team that's now beaten three teams, Three top ten Ken Palm teams, three top ten net teams. Like when you're talking resume, they they were missing it, 
And then in seven days, they added a lot to it. And I know there was a loss in between it, but they added a lot in seven days. Great, great step. 117 points in a regulation basketball game, Sean. They, uh, Nate Oates kind of joked. I, I think I think he was joking going into this one where he said 100 points. Whoever gets to 100 points first wins. And Kentucky had that with eight minutes left in regulation. It was – I'm glad that we got to experience that one together because there were so many individual moments of that game where we looked at each other, we kind of made eye contact with each other, and we were just like, man – that's special. Like that was a really special moment that this team, there's so much. And, and again, that's why Wednesday or third, I guess Thursday show bothered me the way that it did, because it just, it feels like this season is so much bigger than the individual wins and losses. And it feels like we're all kind of rooting for different things from a macro level, a big picture level that doesn't necessarily mean from a day by day by day by day by day thing. So I, I felt fatigue. I felt that kind of just pressure and like, man, this I'm not getting the same enjoyment win or loss the way that I usually do because it feels like as soon it, it feels like there's every argument that you have about this team is weighted for so many different reasons. And this game felt so important from a the home crowd has shown up so many different times this year waiting for that aha moment waiting for that man this is a high profile game can can the team the team rally behind this effort to a win up to this point they really hadn't I, you know the Miami game earlier in the year was that one where everybody kind of bought in but there were a couple really key moments after that. We we just never got that oomph moment. And to be there yesterday and just kind of feel it all unfold where it wasn't just a win. It wasn't just a really good win. An absolute, Sean, ass-kicking to the word, to the T, an ass-whooping of Nate Oates in the Alabama Crimson Tide, not only just beating them, not only just beating them to a pulp, but doing it their way by by taking the offensive juggernaut, the offensive guru, Mr. X's and O's, Mr. Analytic, the guy that just values points per possession. And and you know, we we take out mid the mid-range and we 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 maximize threes and layups and dunks because that you know those are the most efficient shots in basketball like the guy that is obsessive over offensive analytics beating the absolute hell out of him of all people at his own game how beautiful just an unbelievable all-around effort for the cats i don't care 95 points if you actually watched the game, you knew that there was a lot more at, that went into the 95 points in the last 10 minutes and winning, you know, being up by 36 at one point. All of that stuff, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. At the end of the day, it was an absolute beatdown over the number one team in the SEC in a game that Kentucky absolutely had to have. It was it was beautiful. I'm glad that we got to to share that experience together inside Rupp Arena. Yeah, me, me too. And, and you know I'm a big points per possession guy too, offensively and defensively. And even, you know, Nate Oates talked about it in the post-game presser yesterday. And he kind of just looked, I don't want to say defeated, but I certainly think that he was just like, man, they, 
it, it was. It was it was shell shocked, is what it was. And I, I tweeted it with maybe 10, 11, 12 minutes to go in the game, which I, I said on here the other day that I thought that Kentucky would get a win, that I actually thought they'd get this one. I just didn't think it would be in the dominating fashion that it was because I still thought Alabama and Alabama did get theirs. Like, I mean, they're they're 95, which some of that was late. And we'll talk about that too. But just overall, the way Kentucky scored the ball after the first couple minutes of the game and that that mid from from 10 minutes late first half to the mid the midpoint of the second half. I'm not sure we've seen a more dominant stretch of basketball and and honestly around the country, especially on the offensive end of the floor. And when you got multiple guys doing it like Antonio Reeves was very efficient. And you didn't really have to lean on him because you had Justin Edwards doing what he was doing. Rob had a, a quiet night, but a really good night. Reed Shepard doing his thing. Z, how about this? I feel like out of all the things that's gone on with this team, and we've talked about maybe at times how Cal has struggled to find to find a feel with what he wanted to do with this group. I actually think he's had a very good feel with Z this year and kind of picking spots with where he has success and when he doesn't. But now what we've got with that is we've had a couple of wow performances with him that we're getting to a point here now where I think that you're going to have, and I think you're going to have some games, Arkansas, Vandy, some some games where I think he can have some success that you kind of want to let him ride and see if you can keep getting some confidence built there because he changes them offensively. If you're not going to, if you don't have Trey, he can do some of those similar things and he's comfortable in the middle third of the floor the way Trey Mitchell is but he also adds some rim protection on the defensive end too, plus his vision, the ability to pass the ball. So I loved what I saw yesterday. I think it's a significant step building. And we've been talking about steps. You you took one back at LSU, but they were playing really, really well until that run there early second half. Like they was building, they were building something. They couldn't finish it off. Great job bouncing back and getting the one that they needed. Now let's see what they do entering the final couple of weeks before we get to the SEC tournament, but a huge step in the right direction. And, a, a, I mean, that's that's an impressive win that sounded alarms all around college basketball. Um, I, I don't think you can go a, a step further before acknowledging Justin Edwards and what he did and I guess the magnitude of the performance, the win, and the how. You know, 28 points from any given player on this team is what it is like I, I mean rob does that on any given tuesday we get that from antonio like that 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 is what it is but justin edwards is somebody that has been through a lot and he has been pretty open and transparent about what he has been through as a basketball player and um he opens his kentucky career six of his first eight games in double figures and that was around the time that the number one draft pick and he's you know Kentucky's number one recruit and you know the top ranked recruit in the top ranked recruiting class there's so much pressure and weight on your shoulders as that that as that guy he comes in and he's okay you know 10.3 ish points per game through his first eight point eight, eight games not bad very solid but not the number one draft pick the way some people kind of built him up to be. And we tried on the show to say, that's not really who he is. There's, there's, there's a lot of, there's some stuff to love about him physically. The physical traits are so intriguing, but let's not get carried away. Let's kind of 
take a step back and let him find himself as a basketball player because that's never really been his game. And then, you know, at that point was where Cal kind of stepped in and was like, I believe in him. He's going to have a breakthrough. Uh, there was a quote, December 13th, Sean, that John Calipari said, he's going to have a 30-point game. I believe in him. He's going to break through. He just has to find his own confidence. And from that point, basically all the way through February, not a lot there. And Cal, to his credit, never gave up on him, kept saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get him to break through. Even when he had that moment, nine minutes in that trip to Fayetteville, and everybody was like, man, is this kid, are, are the wheels falling off with this kid? Is this kind of the breaking point where Cal's just going to say, you're out of the rotation, kid. We got to kind of keep moving forward. Even after that point, Cal said, I'm going to keep riding that wave. I don't care how long it's going to take. I believe in this kid because he saw what he did behind the scenes. He saw what it, what he did in practice, the shots that he got up in the time that nobody is watching. And Sean, you as a coach, you know how valuable that is when a kid is trying to break through how important it is for the all the other stuff that kind of goes into it. And for him, he had his moment at Vanderbilt. And we loved it. We supported it. We said, good on you, kid. You deserve it. But it's Vanderbilt. You were waiting for that moment of, there, there was something next. You you kind of felt that there was something else in 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 above that to his game. And Sean, there were four or five different moments during that game where we looked at each other and just kind of had that like, man, that's a kid that's been through a lot mentally having the barrier that he has and just in the dark place that he has. He opened up about it after the after the win. 28 points, 10 of 10 shooting, 4 of 4 from 3, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. For my money, his best defensive performance. I love what he brought to the table as an on-ball defender, some of those things. I, I, I mean, if there was one guy that deserved that moment in that environment against that imp- uh, opponent, that level of performance, it was Justin Edwards. I I, I could not be more proud of Justin Edwards in, 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 that, in that moment right there. No, and honestly, if, if you remember, we, we talked about this early in the year, and we talked about it in December, that of all the guys, it felt like his kind of trajectory was going to take a little bit longer just because he he's different than a lot of the guys on this roster. And I kept talking about it's going to take him some time to find his way and find his place and how he wants to play. We talked a ton about – my things going into the season for him were I thought he had potential to be a very good defender. When you look at his body, you look at his frame, but I also thought that he could be kind of dynamic in transition. But we would see him lose the ball out of bounds. We'd see him miss layups and, and those plays like, like that. Well, this is why I think this breakthrough is sustained because that's where he was finishing yesterday. You can you can keep the made three-pointers. like that, That's that's great because he, he showed us at LSU he can make shots. It was the finishing at the rim and in the open floor and the confidence where he struggled so mightily all season. Finishing there is what I was – and that's when I tweeted yesterday. I said, this feels like a sustained breakthrough. Like, this feels like the official breakthrough of the, you know, the many breakthroughs. You mentioned Vandy. Then he had some some run here, at, and you know, in the last game against LSU, and I think Cal maybe forgot about him a little bit in that one too, trying to figure out where he wanted to go rotation-wise. Saturday, though, set the tone defensively. He made some plays off the ball defensively, too. 
but the getting downhill and getting and, and turning those opportunities in, into points and transition and then playing him, playing him at the four where we've been kind of begging for some looks like that. Uh, his confidence to me, that would have been the easiest thing to go. But when you've watched him in recent weeks, it's actually been building. And I think it's because he was, you know, Cal says, trust your training. And I think that this is a kid that trusted his training and eventually he broke through and it seems like it's sustained. How cool is it that after the game, um, he says that, you know, I was in a dark place. I'll be totally, there was, it, it's so cool to me, Sean, because he was the first player to have a perfect shot performance since Nick Richards. And I remember being such a Nick Richards fan because, um, so when I just talking out loud here, uh, you know, that that's what the show is about. Just kind of letting, letting our true feelings kind of out there. Um, I remember there was a moment I just got started in this business. This was my first year as an intern with KSR and Nick Richards. This was his freshman year. He came in as a five-star, the number one center in the country, all that. Um, And I was just an irrational fan. I was, you know, part of the reason why I'm kind of so cautious with the way I react now was because Nick Richards was kind of my first case of kind of tweeting recklessly and saying dumb things that, I I remember saying things like Nick Richards is trash. Like his freshman freshman year, he would do something, you know, miss a dunk or have it bobble out of his hands out of bounds or something. I, I remember vividly at that moment tweeting something stupid like Nick Richards is trash. And I didn't think anything of it. And I remember kind of looking back at it, knowing and learning about what he was dealing with mentally and the stuff, the extra stuff that goes into it, because I was just a dumb young fan that didn't know what I was saying in that moment. And just thinking like, you know, that's what everybody talked about. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a fan. That's, that's how you react. And as the games were going on, realizing that there was something clearly deeper going on there. And all the, all of these kids kind of journeys are different than, others and it's not every kid's not going to be John Wall stepping in and having just being able to have the confidence of the world on their you know the weight of the world on their shoulders and being able to just kind of play through that not everybody has that and Nick was the first kind of example of me not recognizing that having making that mistake and talking through that mistake and owning that and then watching his journey of confidence and saying I'm not okay mentally this is kind of swallowing the the pressure of this environment is swallowing me whole. I need to get this right. So he dealt with mental health coaches and trainers and doing, you know, therapy and all those things. And he became one of my favorite players in the John Calipari era because of his day one to junior year, Nick Richards, that breakthrough moment for him was just so enjoyable because I made that mistake. I was that dumb young fan that just wanted to tweet recklessly and just say dumb things, not recognizing what these kids are going through. And he got through that and became an SEC player of the year candidate and defensive powerhouse and, and was such a, an anchor of that team. And it was, and I, I recognized that as Justin Edwards was going through his freshman year struggles and early on knowing that there was something deeper there, knowing that there, He's he's very clearly struggling. Don't say anything reckless. Don't say anything. L- let this kid be because there's something clearly 
more than just what he's showing on the basketball court. So that's why as we watch that game unfold, it kind of like, I don't want to say emotional, but it was like, it felt kind of bigger than basketball. It felt so, man, this kid has been through so much and talking to him afterwards saying, you know, I needed a mental health coach. Reed Shepard knew that I was in a dark place and recommended me his mental health coach. And I had kind of gone through him. I've been reading books. I've been trying to get to the deeper part of this. And I learned how to like kind of break through that part and, and, for him to get to that moment and kind of have that aha internally on top of what we already knew about him physically and what he could do on that and to have the 28 points and just the superstardom that that kid deserves more than anybody on the team, just being transparent, that kid deserved it more than anybody else on the team. Uh, I, I, I'm glad that it came in a win. I'm glad it came against that opponent, but man, there's not another kid that deserves that moment more than him because he was in a dark spot. He, overcame it he he acknowledged it head on he embraced it head on and for him to get that moment it's just like man that's that that's special that's what college basketball is all about yeah it is and and, and right there too when when you have teammates like reed shepherd and, and other guys that are there picking you up and you see you know reed picked him up off the floor and then yesterday when he got fouled on the three and he hit it guess who the first guy was right there ready to celebrate and pick him up off the floor and they're going these kids go through things that we will never experience and know like we all have our things that i think is as human beings we mentally struggle with whether it's career or whatever it is schedule these kids and, and justin being one build as a top 10 pick and then you're you're not maybe living up to what others think of you or what others have built you to be you're at kentucky the spotlight's on you but they had other guys, too, that were emerging early in the year. Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham. Kentucky was winning games. It was taking some pressure off, which I think really helped and allowed him to have this breakthrough. It's because some other guys were, were picking up some things. But what we saw yesterday, if that's just the, if that's the best it gets, and I, I mean, it's obviously hard to, to get any better than not missing a shot and turnovers. If he, makes a, if he makes a free throw, it's literally a perfect game, uh, basketball version. But – that's the type of performance that shows up on NBA draft boards and when guys are evaluating where you are and what you can be. But it's also the type of performance that you can continue to build confidence off of and continue sustaining that energy and effort. But I'm telling you, it started on the defensive end for him. And then it started with not lacking confidence to take threes. Like, he has been a confident shooter and a confident shot taker for a while now. But now he's finishing at the rim, and he I could tell when he was going down the floor with the ball in his hands, this one's not getting tipped out of bounds. This one's not going off of his knee. This one's not going off of his foot. This one's getting up on the rim, and it's going to go in the basket. You, there was just a different mindset about the way he attacked. And even when they went to the lineup with him playing at the four, they he got a basket off of a pin down and a curl. At the four. That's why I'm such a fan of putting these guys in space and running him at the four, especially with, his, with, the, with the way he shoots the ball now and the way he's been shooting the ball, his ability to attack. I mean, he got, got to his mid-range. We saw him shoot the three, get to his mid-range, and get to the rim. He, he was a three-level scorer in that game yesterday. And on top of the defensive effort, 
that's the guy that makes Kentucky different. Now, you're not going to get perfect basketball every single night from Justin Edwards, but if you even just get a dose of that and it's sustained, it really changes what Kentucky can be to me on both ends of the floor. And we're talking about a team that's already a ridiculous clip offensively that just got even better when they have that weapon and option and, and the body that he has, the shoulders, the ability to get downhill, all of it. Like it, it changes Kentucky to me completely. So so let's dig in into that a little bit because Kentucky obviously had that stretch of 28 points in six minutes. And we talked to Nate Oates after the game and his disbelief was something that was just like, again, I'm the king of this. This is, I, I am Mr. Efficiency, Mr. Analytic, offensive guru. And in, in I got beat at my own game. And as the stat was read to him, of the 28 points in six minutes and like, Hey, what do you think of that lineup? Is that something that, that Kentucky should clearly go after? And that was the three guards, Antonio Reeves, Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards at the four and Zvon Miravicic at the five. Uh, and NATO's kind of point blank period said, we probably did John Calipari's job for him because if I were in his shoes and I saw what we, what I just saw, where we could not physically stop that team offensively. I don't care what the defensive numbers showed. You know, they are, that's probably the reason why we haven't seen a whole ton of that straight, you know, uh, of that lineup for extended periods. We saw six straight minutes of, of you know, seven straight minutes uh, with, with that lineup. Probably the reason why we haven't seen that up to this point for extended period is because of the defense. And, and Nate Oates was kind of just like, I'm just here to tell you, we couldn't stop them. And they scored basically on every single possession. If they're going to score on every single possession, then uh, I don't, it doesn't really matter. You can beat any team in college basketball. So, how much, Sean, does that play into what John Calipari does moving forward? Understanding that NATO or uh, that, that Trey Mitchell is on the cusp of returning, that he is who he is as a, you know, true five out kind of guy that, versatile offensive you know he could you could play him out on the perimeter and kind of be the straw that stirs a drink uh you know as a playmaker and, and, and facilitator how does that play into with Justin playing the way he did at the four the three guards working together the way they did to put together maybe not the perfect offensive performance but pretty darn close to it I think it what it does is it, it adds even more options to to what Kentucky can do with with lineup combinations and and now that they're they're getting healthy when you get Trey back you you can kind of see what some of the stuff can look like Jack but you you now have this lineup that we saw yesterday and I, I think Nate Oates saying that in the post game presser when he said uh, we probably just helped Kentucky figure out and and Cal figure out some lineups uh, to play together because they had so much success with it so that quote right there from a coach that you just went up against and you just beat by 20 plus and was right there 30 plus and running them out of Rupp Arena. I think that that probably sits with John Calipari and the staff and they're probably like, you know what, we we did find something here today. I'm leaning more and, and there are they are defending. So they gave up 95 points, but I'm telling you that the intensity that I saw defensively for 40 minutes yesterday. Now I know that the stretch to close giving up some points, but overall, the off-ball, some of the off-ball things that happened defensively, getting in passing lanes, 
Uh, Duthiero getting out and passing lanes. Justin Edwards doing his thing. Reed Shepard gets a steal and a dunk. Like there was a lot of good stuff on the ball, off the ball yesterday against a team that is very good offensively, very efficient offensively. I think Kentucky's building some stuff together. You you take out that stretch to open the second half against LSU, and and I think that you're feeling a lot better about where this Kentucky Kentucky team's trending on the defensive end of the floor. Alabama was the team yesterday, Jack, that had the 20-plus point or ranking fall in Ken Palm adjusted D. It's not been Kentucky the last week or so. Kentucky's actually climbing, and they're, they're that means they're defending at a better clip than what they were for three months of the season. So they're trending in the right direction. Now sustain that, build on it, going to Mississippi State. But seeing this lineup do what it did, I was telling Stephen this before you hopped in tonight and before we went live. I'm now leaning that I think this team's getting better defensively. I think it can still have some more growth in that area. Just be so efficient offensively, and that's the rotation and pieces you want to play. What gives me the most efficient lineups? To me, Zivon Mirovicic is one of the more versatile pieces they have, and he changes them offensively without giving up a ton defensively. He still blocks some shots. He had four blocks yesterday. You get Trey Mitchell back. He can do some similar things there. Justin Edwards sliding and playing the four. I'm starting to lean into the the Z and Trey at the five, mixing Ugo in kind of where when you need him, where you need him. Adu and Justin getting primarily minutes at the four. Justin some three. Like you, you see some versatile lineups here with that combination of guards that I think Kentucky can just be so efficient offensively, but still make strides defensively too, and put themselves in position to be playing their best basketball here in about two to three weeks. I, I completely agree. I, I think. You know, there was, uh, I think Jason Atkins asked before, um, you know, name our eight, name, name the eight man rotation. And I do think that once Trey comes back, and I think that he's very close, if not Mississippi State, I think it's pretty fair to say that by next weekend, uh, he'll, he'll be back and, and should be full go uh, down the stretch, obviously regular season, then going into, into March. But I think the plan before his injury was to kind of cut that rotation down to, you know, small ball that the, the, the plan was initially three guards, a do or Justin, depending on how those guys were trending plus Trey. And then the opposite, whether it was Justin or a do in the starting lineup at the four, the other guy coming off the bench with, um, who am I, who am I missing? Sean, um, Reed, who am I missing? Who'd you, who'd you say there? So the Some, somebody in the chat's probably going to help us out here. I, I kind of lost my train of thought, but I, I think the the plan was going small with the five guys. So whether it was you know the, let's say the 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 lineup that worked so well with twenty eight points six minutes against you know, against Alabama yeah. with Rob Reed, um, Justin Antonio. And Z, but in trade out Z for Trey with Z coming off the bench, and then Adu and DJ. Is that your eight? And that was before DJ missed time too, right? So that was when we were trending. So to me, that that probably is the eight. Um, I'm just looking, and, and I know some people are probably going to say, "Why would you shrink this rotation?" Because like you need depth, but you you also need continuity. 
and you need guys to to settle in on roles and, and kind of figure out where you're going. Like, and, and right now, like they've had games where Ugo has played 35, 36 minutes, and they've had games where yesterday Z gets the bulk of the run. So it's matchup based. If you play teams like Kentucky played yesterday and they they play teams like you know Auburn or these teams that like to get up and down and, and do like we've seen them play those teams very well. North Carolina, Alabama. Auburn, like they, the teams that like to get out and go, I'm confident Kentucky's winning those games. It's the grinded out games and where the rotation goes there. And I think you're going to get one this week in the midweek. I think this game is actually positioned perfectly after what we just saw because Kentucky won one way here. And I want to see how they execute and how they win this one on the road in Starkville this week. But to me, and, and I know I tweeted yesterday when Robin Reed went to the scores table just a minute and a half or so into the game. I'm like, if if you're putting them in now, why not just start them? And I get it. And I want people to understand where I'm coming from here. I get the people that are saying you don't want to break DJ's confidence. Well, well DJ has came off the bench against Gonzaga and played like at some point here, you're just kind of wanting to settle in on something concrete of what you're, the way you're wanting to start games. Roles, roles change throughout seasons and things. But my fear with that, Jack, is that they get into a do-or-die moment in the NCAA tournament and they get off to a slow start and they get down six or seven points and then you lose by six or seven points. And then that stretch ended up being pretty important. So I'd like to get the most efficient lineup possible out there to start games. And I like to keep my spacing and I'm not saying who has to come out of that lineup. Like yesterday, you know, DJ, Justin, Ugana and Adu were in that lineup. There's not a ton of spacing there outside of Antonio Reeves. Maybe you just mix one of those guys out and get somebody else that spaces the floor in there. The way Justin's shooting the ball now, the way Antonio Reeves shoots the ball, if that's Rob or if that's Reed, you've got better spacing and then you can kind of mix and match in those first couple of opening segments of the game and get, then get establish a flow of who's playing well and then settle in. I just don't like the clunky lineups to begin halves and to begin, to begin games because I think those are areas where you can really lose momentum and let another team gain it. And I just don't want to look up and see them lose a game by four or five and us look back and be like, could we have avoided this? So that's that's where my focus more so is than more of shrinking it down rotation-wise is how they start. It worked Saturday. I hope it works every single time, but it it, it that it concerns me. It didn't against Tennessee. It didn't. Yeah. So and we've seen that slow start out of the gate in some second halves too. Like, great, it worked yesterday. That's fine. I get I get what people are saying, but at the same time, I'm just trying to say, too, that I don't want this to come back four weeks from now and us be on this same podcast talking about, man, I really wish we wouldn't have done that. I, I think you put it perfectly, because if Cal is comfortable enough putting his dynamic do off the bench in at the 1742 mark or whatever it is, what is the what difference does the, the that two minutes make? Like, what is the the like setting the tone of those of, of that initial lineup do beyond you know? 
I don't want to say it was fool's gold for what happened down at Auburn, where you get such a great early lead, getting up 11-2 early and, you know, kind of building that momentum because that really is kind of the outlier. We haven't seen that a whole bunch, and it really has been that second unit that kind of set the tone, and then kind of DJ comes back in, that group comes back in and kind of sets the physicality, sets the the tone defensively. But you got to – you can't just set yourself behind – Offensively, you can't get down 11 to 14 for those kind of deficits where you're playing at a 10 point disadvantage from basically the opening tip. Like, I not every game is that Auburn game. It, it, it felt good to do that, but also it's clearly not sustainable. It hasn't been sustainable up, up to this point. So I, I just don't want that to be kind of the the we'll see what what happened there kind of moment for this staff. Like I want them to kind of understand the big picture as we get into the nitty gritty of the postseason and these do or die games. Whereas you said, Sean, one, one game where you get down early, it might be too much to overcome. You, you just can't kind of put yourself in that position. So I, it's a tough spot, but I do think, I, I think going back to the kind of the initial point, what we what got us into this conversation was, I don't think that we are, ever going to see the kind of roulette throwing stuff against the wall stuff with lineups anymore. Like, I don't think that we're just going to see Z thrown in there and then AB thrown in there and then Ugo thrown it. Like, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think it's going to be very situational matchup based. And that's going to determine who the seven, eight man group is maybe nine. And that's a, a very, very strong. Maybe I think Cal is set on getting us down to eight and having it situationally with, with how the matchup is, whether, you know, we need a physical presence. Let's throw Ugo in there. Let's, you know, if we like Alabama is the perfect opportunity for, for Z to kind of present himself to, uh, they, they, they kind of played right to him, which kind of the, their game plan kind of threw me off because they, they just kind of let him do what he does best. Kind of that, that was interesting, but I think that's where, what we're going to see down the stretch here where it's it's not going to be all 10 guys kind of get their shot. It's going to be matchup base. Here's our eight. And we're going to pick from that eight, depending on how the game unfolds. Is that the kind of vibe you're getting? It is. And the, the reason that we're, we're talking about this thing being shortened or condensed or, or whatever you want to call it when it comes to, to lineup and rotation, I'm, tell, I'm here to tell you right now, John Calipari is not playing 10 guys in the NCAA tournament. He never if, has. If, not you believe, if you believe that, you continue to believe that, and then when you see it here in a few weeks, you'll you'll hate that you wasted your time thinking it because it's not coming. Even the year that they were thirty eight and one, it really crunched when it got down to do or die situations. That's just who Cal is. Like we're we're talking about two thousand nineteen when they played Auburn, and I'm not knocking it. That's just who you are. He's already changed a lot about himself that's not changing he's going to go with what he's comfortable with you're already kind of seeing that blueprint and and stuff be played out you know Aaron Bradshaw's playing less that has to be a hard thing for Cal to do though but I I think Cal understands the importance of this March run and what it means for his time what it means for this program and what it means moving forward at Kentucky so I think this thing's getting down to eight if you have some foul trouble, you may see a guy play two or three that gets to nine. 
Could those faces change depending on matchup based? Yes. But in an individual game, I don't think you're going to see this team play 10 guys. You could see a guy get some spot minutes here, maybe in a second round instead of a tournament game. Jamal Baker, for example, that season played in that, that second round game. I know PJ Washington didn't play that day. But that year, if you remember, Reed Travis played 40 minutes on the, a knee that wasn't 100%. PJ Washington played a ton of minutes. He eventually, he actually looked at Jamal Baker basically like, I can't play you in this game. I can't play you, EJ. I can't play you, Nick Richards. And all those guys that were getting minutes didn't play beyond a minute. So that's why I think it's it's him getting a feel. And I think Cal getting a feel of where he wants to go is the most important thing about what happens over the next four weeks. You can't have the stuff that you were talking about, throwing it and hoping it sticks. You can't have that stuff going on in the NCAA tournament. This is a head coach that needs to know where he's going and be confident in it, regardless of where he goes, commit to something here, see it through, and let's see what happens. But it's probably going to be shown before the NCAA tournament, maybe in the SEC tournament. Now, that's possibly three or four games in four days. So you may have to run a little bit deeper at times, but just pay attention to minutes played, and let's see what it trends and looks like. But I still think this thing's getting down to eight. Maybe it stretches to nine. I get it. They have plenty of guys that can play, but at some point, I, I'm telling you, Cal's going to condense this thing down. So, so talk me through what we heard post game, where Cal talked about going into this matchup knowing that we were going to have to outscore him. I mean, there was no other way around it. The game plan going in was very clearly we got to run them off the line, take away what they do best, and if they beat us with layups and dunks, so be it. They are held to seventeen threes overall, which is five-ish less than what fewer than what they're uh, averaging is the fourth most I, I think they they average fourth most attempts per game uh, all right I think it's fourth most makes per game and the second most attempts per game I think something like that so uh, they took away basically what they their bread and butter what they did best and basically said if we're going to play you know a, a track meet if you're going to beat us, it's going to have to be, you know, with with twos and threes. Uh, but with the way Nate Oates responded and said the offense, offensive oriented lineup, and said, I, you know, there there's not a defense that you can throw at them that can slow them down. How much of that goes into what Cal decides to do moving forward? Forward when going. Ugo versus Z or AB versus Ugo or however he decides to do that. Obviously, situationally, if you have a Janai broom, that's going to change how you, you know, go with one matchup versus, uh, you know, slender, long athletic, you know, it, it's obviously going to be depending on matchup, but foundationally speaking, does that offensive all around effort, show you that that's kind of what the vibe needs to be moving forward, especially with Trey when he comes back. Is that, do you see Z as the one big that sneaks in with the five group with, with Trey as the, the go-to five? I, I think so. I, I do. And, but I still think Ugo is going to get minutes and opportunities. I, I I think Cal likes Ugo a lot. And, and look, he, he still did some good things yesterday. Like when you turn on the tape and watch him defend and things like there's, mm -hmm. there's some areas where he, he really adds some value to, to what they do. I just don't think, and we, and we listen, it's no secret. Like this team has not been a good defensive team and they're still 
a work in progress on that end of the floor. So Cal seeing an efficient lineup do things the way that they did yesterday, the way that they did things early when they played small, that's where I think you're going to see he's going to be like, okay, aha, like we were playing really good basketball in November with a smaller lineup. We're not as small with Z at the five. We get some, we get the rim protection, but we also get the the skill set to stretch you out and put him in the middle third of the floor. And he looked comfortable doing that yesterday. Saw another behind the back pass. That's a guy that sees the floor very, very well. He is a, he has proven that he can knock down the three, and he can be efficient in that area. He finished a lob yesterday, ran his ass off to the rim on a rim run on that. So you're seeing him do those things. Let's just see what he does to sustain it. It's the same way we talked about Justin Edwards, the same way we talked about all these other guys. It's about sustaining it, and that's the team. That's the way that I look at them going into Tuesday is you had a really good win at Auburn, kind of let go of the rope, didn't finish it off at LSU. Then you have your best performance of the year. How do you sustain it? Do you go on the road and face a team that's going to be desperate and hungry to get you back for what you did to them a month or so ago? Or do you leave Starkville with the win and you start sustaining something together and some some momentum? That's the story going into the week for me is can Kentucky sustain it? And look, when we talk rotation pieces, DJ Wagner is going to be an important piece of this rotation. He is. He does some things that other guys don't do. I think he's he's really aggressive on the ball and, and fighting and guarding. I think that he has a mindset to attack. It's just can he make enough shots is what it's going to come down to. And that's why you start needing some of those to fall. He had one rim out yesterday on him where I, he actually had an extra pass. The shot clock was winding down, though. But that was one that I wanted to see him take because he needed to make one just to get something going for him. That injury came at the worst time. And that's the stuff that you hate. It happened to Ty Ty Washington just a couple of years ago where he right. never really got back in rhythm, knocked some shots down in the SEC tournament against Vandy. But overall, his burst and stuff and pick and roll, it never really returned. So that's why I'm hoping that the next couple of weeks that he's able to kind of get his feet underneath him, get through it, and build some confidence going into to Nashville. But I still, like I said, I think this thing's going to shrink down. He's going to be an important part of it. It's just, to me, it's more so what Kentucky decides to do at the five than it is anywhere else. That's where, I'm when Trey's back, what does Kentucky do around that? Does Do we see Trey at the five some? With Z being the five when Trey's not at the five, like does he choose for efficient offensive lineups? Because you get the rim protection with Z, but you give up some stuff offensively with Ugo. You don't really give up anything with the way they want to play with Z. That's the one thing that he has on Ugo to me. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I I, I don't think it's that much of a conversation. I, I think that's when Cal, and, and we talked about it in one of the earlier episodes. I think the beauty of all of this is we have seen this team at its peak 
with Trey at the five. We that lineup was kind of the whoa, this team can be special lineup in the past. And we've seen kind of, you know, Z play at his bet. What what that looks like with Z replacing Trey when Trey was out. We kind of saw that kind of work in harmony and it was like, oh, that's something that we can work with. I'm, I, I, it's going to be situationally based. Obviously, I think it's going to be matchup based. Obviously, Ugo will have points and moments where he he interjects himself and makes an impact. But I think big picture, it would be in this team's best interest if Z is that first big off the bench, as Cal's gut told him. Thank God, because that was a great call that Cal said after after the game that he just woke up yesterday and said. Z needs to play, and we're going to see how it happens. And I love the fact that he made his first mistake. Kyle immediately went to the bench, said, Ugo, get your ass in there. Ugo was sitting there at the scorer's table. table. Z did like two or three straight things positively straight. And Kyle turned back to Ugo and said, get back to the bench. Because, you know, let him ride that wave. Let him kind of figure – because he's at a disadvantage, man. Like, we are talking 100 days – after he first arrived on campus all the way up until the day he was declared eligible, like a hundred days is a long time for somebody to kind of work through what, what Z has been, especially in coming from international ball, coming from a style of play that is so different than American college basketball. Like he needed that. He, he needs time. He needs reps. He needs that, you know, playing through some of these dumb mistakes. He's like, that lost puppy dog. He's that like, man, you know that he's going to go out there and do some really dumb things, but guess what? He's going to do 10, 15 other absolutely poetry in motion, beautiful things that you just kind of got to live with the, the chaos, knowing that the beauty is on the other side of that as well. Because I think the, the end goal, the big picture with all of this, I think if he just, he just heightens the ceiling so much further than anybody else on this roster, just being transparent. He does. And to me, he has a natural feel for the game that if you just leave him in, he gets more comfortable because it it doesn't take him long to kind of pick up a flow. Like when he gets comfortable, he starts doing the stuff that like the behind the back passing. Like, look, that's, that's twice now that we've seen this guy do this and it'd be right on the money. But he he also does some other things too. I thought he was going to get a technical again yesterday for hanging on the rim when he when he pulled himself up. I was, I was like, like, no. I was like, so it's that's a habit for him because he's been allowed to do that and it's been okay. And and now you as soon as he did, I was like, please don't call this on him because if he do, if he gets another one, Cal may put him all the way down the tunnel. I don't know because go home, go, just, home. Just go back to the go to the dorm. You're done. Just, you're, you're done. So no, but. Him having his moment yesterday, another moment, Georgia was feels like a lifetime ago at this point. It's been about a month. But having another one mixed in there now, you you can see what he is capable of. Now you throw Justin Edwards into the conversation of having his moment. Reed was just quietly good across the box score. And the hitting shots, you know, making plays, the back tip and the and the dunk, the steal in the dunk really ignited the crowd, and then Justin follows it with a four-point play. You've had Rob have his moments. You've had Trey, when healthy, have his. Like The list goes on and on of guys that have had big moments for this team. 
it just has to all come together. And this was maybe this is the 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 building of it. You you let one get away from you at LSU. That one stinks. It really does. Like I wish that they could have just found a way to survive that one and have it as a win on their resume, but they're back on the five seed line. Can they get to a three? That that seems doable, but you probably have to win out regular season and then do a lot of work in the SEC tournament. I don't know where they're going to fall in seeding in the league tournament. I have no idea what it's going to be. I mean, Thursday is certainly in play. They got to do a lot of work to get to Friday, but just take keep taking care of you. Keep building on it. You see teams like UConn and stuff dropping games the way that they did this week. Like it, it, it happens. I still want to see Kentucky sustain some of this stuff. And Tuesday night to me is a perfect opportunity sandwiched right between a home game coming up, but what they just did against a really good Alabama team. How does Kentucky respond going on the road in an environment where I think you're going to certainly get Mississippi State's best shot? And that's going to be a tough place to play. And when he, when's the last time Kentucky lost in Starkville? I know it's not been in the John Calipari era. So you got to go way back. So we were there. We were there for one. We were there for one of those for one of those wins. And we're we going to tell that story, or are we going to? Uh, we're going to save that for Wednesday, assuming they win. Assuming they win, that'll be a, that'll be a fun one. Uh, looking at. Ken Palm, they jumped to 17 overall. In that pack, I mean, four Arizona at 21 and six, basically down, I mean, down to 25. I mean, just keep going down. Every team from that grouping is a six loss or more team. There, there's going to be some movement. Like, I, I know it's it's easy to just kind of be hyper-focused and kind of have our tunnel vision on these eight losses for Kentucky and what that means, how we got here, how many, you know, one possession games, how many different opportunities there were that Kentucky could have had this and we could be on the two-seed line, had things bounced our way or we didn't give up this or whatever. We, we, we should have been in position for a two. But there are still four games left in the regular season and looking at who is ahead of Kentucky in that grouping, basically everything beyond the top three. I mean, UConn and the Ken Palm is, is third at 25 and three. And then from there, Arizona is 21 and six, everything beyond that down to Kentucky at 17 with eight loss at 19 and eight. It's, it's all just a hair here and there. These four losses and some of these matchups, if, if you look at the, the college basketball slate these next week, this next week or two, there are some head-to-head matchups that can really start shaking these things. I mean, as early as Tuesday. So I, I know it's easy to focus on that five seed right now, but this thing could really change quickly to Kentucky jumping up to that three seed line. And you'd almost have to get to that SEC championship game to even flirt with the two, probably probably unlikely, but you are firmly and comfortably in that three-seed line if you take care of business. You kind of control your destiny to a three. And then once you get to that three, then it, all the historical no seven has ever gotten with a unranked loss in December, all the stupid stats that we've heard up to this point, explaining why this team can't win a national title, all that stuff you can officially throw in the garbage. Once you get to a three seed, because 
then you kind of become in the conversation, in the national conversation of teams that could very likely more than any and, you know, no one more than the other fight for a spot in the final four. Like that, you officially put yourself in that spot. You have to take care of business. This is a team that has had so many unbelievably highs, but ridiculous lows that it's hard to kind of find that consistency and balance. But we're, we're in that spot. You've, you've gotten yourself with this win. You've gotten yourself in the conversation to now take care of business, control your own destiny. Uh, and if you, you know, two quad one games in the last four, if you can go to Starkville, earn that win, and then go to Knoxville and potentially earn that win, while obviously taking care of business in the quad three and quad four games, now you are officially in that conversation of definitely in that three seed conversation. And maybe if you do something special in Nashville, maybe even potentially that two seed line, um, it's a good spot to be in. I like this position for Kentucky to be in where they kind of have a chip on the shoulder. You have to earn some stuff, earn some of that trust back but you're also not at a disadvantage. You're not too far out of the conversation to where people kind of overlook you. It's that it's that nice kind of balance of they're close, but not too close. Yeah, and, and when we – they're 17th in Kempom, right? Is that what you said? 17th. So you remember what I texted you, I think it was about a month ago, I just found it in my text, and, and I'm paying – I said maybe we're paying too much attention to the individual numbers of Ken Palm. I know we get caught up in the are you defending and are you scoring in the top 20. And I think right now there's three teams in college basketball as of last night that rank inside the top 20 in both. Uh, maybe a fourth one, maybe somebody snuck in there. I know UConn was close. I think they were like 22nd and adjusted D going into the night last night. Um, how about this stat, though? Only three times in Kim Palm history has a team won a national championship ranked outside the top five of Kim Palm. Syracuse was eighth in 2003. UConn was 10th in 2011. Just so happened to be, of course, Kentucky that they beat. And then UConn again, 15th in 2014 in Kim Palm history. So I'm trying, I'm starting to pay more attention to what they are in Kim Palm overall instead of individually. But here's the only way they get there. Offense can't climb a whole lot more. Not a ton to go there. Mm -hmm. But defensively, get it to be just enough, and I think that you can maybe position yourselves to be in into that top 10 of Kim Palm when the tournament starts. Now, these numbers were after the tournament finished. So where are they at the end of a six-team, a six-game tournament where you have to win six games? Because now we're talking six games in the tournament, four more regular season, possibly three or four in the SEC tournament. So that's the stuff that, that that you're looking at. So I'm I'm choosing to pay more attention to the overall Ken Palm number more so than just the individuals and where Kentucky goes. But I thought that was an interesting stat that only three times in the history of Ken Palm has a team won a national title that's not been ranked in the top five of Ken Palm. We'll see. I mean, that, that's a lot of ground to make up, but there is a path. You just got to – Take care, but they like I said, they they have put themselves in position to have a fighter's chance. You you are within arm's reach of a lot of these kind of you know analytical hypothetical things. So uh, now you just got to take care of business. This is a team that has taken one step forward and two steps back so many different times that you just can't 
live and die by that. You just got to find some momentum and give give us something to believe in. Give us something to trust because it's been really hard to kind of get to that point. So uh, Tuesday is going to go a long, long way. We'll be down there. Steve and I are going down to Starkville. So we're, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see with our own two eyes whether or not they can keep taking these steps forward, Sean. Um, I, I, I like this position. I really do. I like that. They they kind of have a lot more work to show that they still have some some things to do, but we've seen that we have the sample size, we have the substance to to kind of show us what the big picture looks like. So uh, Tuesday is going to show us a lot. Obviously, Saturday is going to show us a lot. Well, I guess Saturday Arkansas probably not a whole whole lot, but the Saturday after that is is the one that all of us have our eyes on whether or not they can go down to Knoxville and take care of business down there. We will. Uh, absolutely see that. So let's go ahead and um, well, knock. I was going to mention this. Go I was going to mention this. You know, this comment. Like I, I get that about how it might not be applicable, but it is because we're talking about history here when it comes down to to Ken Palm and over the course of decades now, to where if we're going to talk about teams making it to the Final Four that are in the top twenty of both. I think then there's some there's some weight to it that most national champions finish in the top five, but there's still time, like there's still time to keep trending in the right direction here. Uh, but that takes into account everybody that's had an injury this year, everybody else that's had freshmen, and all the freshman teams that Kentucky's had, and all the freshman teams that, that Duke's had, and all the freshman teams that everybody else has had too. So let's just see where Kentucky is when we look at this thing in two weeks and then let's see where Kentucky's at on selection Sunday. And then kind of, you'll, you'll get an idea of, of where these teams are and stuff. Was, was I right about three teams being in the top 20 in four? I counted. So somebody else moved in last night. I you know got Houston, was- you got, well, Purdue's very close at two and 21. Um, UConn, Arizona and Auburn. Auburn makes four. Yep. So there's so Auburn was close when I when I looked at it, or somebody somebody was super close last night when I looked at it. But uh, the analytics and the numbers and things when you look at it and the metrics, they're they're interesting, and in, in things and a lot of it, you are what your numbers say you are. But there are some factors and stuff that I think has played into Kentucky's, and I, I do want to see what this team looks like when they're healthy, and with everybody at full strength, because then I want to see the eye test. And I think that's probably the most important thing with this team right now is, is is the eye test of seeing, you know, where they are when they're healthy. What are they doing defensively when they get Trey Mitchell back? What are they doing offensively with some of these lineups? Like this has been a puzzle all season for Cal and the pieces have changed and he's tried this fit and he's tried that fit. But it, it seems like from Auburn, you get an answer and then you pull an answer from a road win at Vandy and then you find another piece that fits in a home win against Alabama and I think whatever it looks like in the end, that that's what you want. You want the piece, you want the puzzle to be complete when you walk into that tournament on Selection Sunday, and that's what matters most. This draft board 2.0 that just popped up on my Twitter feed has a do Thero at 15. First time I've ever seen his name on on a draft board. Very, I mean, just like I was just sitting here scrolling uh, before wrapping up the show, and and it just. Rob Dillingham, 11, Adu Thero, 15, Reed Shepard, 17, 
and Big Z 29. I, I don't think if we were to put a lot of money down going into the year, if we were to say, hey, who, what is our draft board going, going to look like? I, I, I could put every dollar to my name and say that wasn't the one. Like, I mean, I, I don't think I would even be freaking close if you were to ask me about that, that particular group. But uh, anyway, we, we got some, some stuff to take care of. We're wrapping up here very, very shortly. Sean, I'm very excited. Today was a really big week. Would you like to know why it was a very big week for me? Of course. We partner with a a brand new friend that I'm a, a huge, huge fan of, Factor. Factor Meals. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Whether, wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 options a week to choose from, including uh, keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, and more. There's uh, even more to enjoy with 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Two-minute meals fuel up fast with Factors uh, restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the day uh, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily, flexible to your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no meal, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100%. Uh, ready to heat and eat. There is no prepping, no cooking, or cleanup needed. Call, uh, head to factormeals.com slash KSR50 and use code KSR50 to get 50% off. That's code KSR50 at factormeals.com slash KSR50 to get 50% off. Sean, I get this box earlier this week, and it is about this big. And I open it up and has dry ice and it is packed in with cushion and i mean it's it's like a a baby you're protecting a baby yeah i open it up and the meals are right there ready every every single one individually packed for you and they're delicious like you would have no idea that these things were not like made from a chef at your favorite restaurant down the street like it the, the meals are so unbelievably good with so many different varieties, so many different things, turkey chilies and zucchini pastas and so many, like, I mean, as wide of a spectrum of foods that you could possibly imagine. I, I'm not a big frozen meal fan and these meals are not frozen, but I, I, I don't love them because the quality is just so terrible. In most instances, when this arrived on my doorstep, I was really excited because they're fresh, never frozen, kind of a new take on it. And the meals themselves are hands down some of the best pre-packaged, ready to go, ready to consume that I've ever had. So I know you're participating in this. I know that you are absolutely thrilled to join in on the fun. Uh, it's been a good week. Very, very good week with our friends at Factor. Uh, absolutely. And we, we, we've been talking a lot about efficiency 
on the show. I, I like to be efficient with my meals too. So I'm taking my sun-dried tomato chicken with zucchini noodles to work tomorrow because uh, I got to be efficient with meals because it's district tournament week and I don't have time to to dip out the door and, and go somewhere. So uh, yeah, sun-dried tomato chicken with zucchini noodles. And I will give uh, kind of my take on how that meal is on the next episode, but I, I'm looking forward to it. So I, I'm, I, I took some, some pictures of what some of them look like. This was my sun-dried chicken zucchini noodles, absolute deliciousness that I had earlier in the week. I, I like you'd have no idea. I mean, it, it was the tender, it just juicy, just amazing. So, uh, make sure you enjoy our friends at Factor. I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. Sean, I know that you're going to thoroughly enjoy them this week. Um, but uh, glad they they decided to join on the Sources Save Fund. We have a lot of fun over here on the show, and uh, I enjoyed eating their product this week. So uh, make, make sure you enjoy our friends. Uh, at Factor, and let's keep on rolling through. We now have a message from our latest partner, Monticello Bank. Maybe. Potentially. Steven. Hi, Cindy. There it is. Well, hello, Cindy. A lot of banks are changing hands these days. Not Monticello. We've been building relationships since 1895. And with each passing year, we've grown. Hello, Cindy. Hi. And expanded our services to meet the needs of the communities we serve. Aren't you forgetting something? Monticello Bank, equal housing lender, member FDIC. Sources A Podcast is also brought to you by Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he is here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.MyPerfectFranchise.net. Sean, let's... Um, we, big big week, we, big, big stuff coming up in the next couple of days. Steve and I hit the road to Stark Vegas on Tuesday morning. Big win, big, big, big opportunity for this team. Got to go get a win down, down in Starkville. What do you need to see from this team to make you believe that a win is on the table for this, for, for this team? Going to keep using the same word, consistency. Uh, I want to see consistency and I want to see sustained effort sustained success. Uh, I want to see it carry over. Like I, I don't, you had the, we keep talking about, it. you had the big win against Auburn. You follow it with a road loss at LSU. You have your most dominant performance of the season at home against Alabama. How do you build on that? You don't want to take steps back. You want to take steps forward this time of year. I think it's important to get a win on Tuesday night on the road at the hump. You, you have to get that win, continue taking those steps the right direction. And then you have some success here at the closing back into the schedule going into the league tournament. And I think you're putting yourself in a position to uh, kind of go on a run and have some confidence about the way you're playing. So sustain that and build on it. It's what I'm looking for. That, that, that's me, man. I, I don't care what it looks like. I would like, I, I would prefer to see it come in a tight win to kind of get that feeling back with this group to know what it feels like to kind of tighten up down the end and put together some stretches of defensive stops and clutch buckets on the other end. I'd love to see that with this group. So that's what I have my eyes on. I don't care what it looks like. Just leave Starkville with a win. I would love to see it be a, a, a tight win and then go obviously take care of business in the next two games. 
Um, they're quad three and quad four games for a reason. Go win those games. Do what you're supposed to do at home. Uh, and then finish this season with a bang. Go make that statement. Go into March playing your best basketball and kind of prove those naysayers, those haters, the the people that say, you know, the it's tough to read the Gary Parishes and the national guys that are just so kind of up and down and just all over the place with our projections that say, well, yeah, Kentucky's fun. I love watching them play. They're a blast. They're good. They do all these things, but I can't trust them. Give those guys a reason to trust you. Give them a reason to shut up and to ignore some of the stuff in the past that you're not really taking into context and into consideration the the youth and the injuries and the, all the different things at play that got us to this point. Shut all that noise up. Go take care of business. Win these games, and let's let's build some momentum. Let's go into March with a run and let this team know what winning games back to back to back to back to back looks like. Like let's have one of those types of stretches where they're you know we've seen what losing looks like, but now let's learn what winning looks like for a continued period. That's what I want to see from this group. And it starts Tuesday in Starkville. Really tough game physical tough some you know one of some of those identity issues that this team has had at times they're going to throw that at you it's going to be another hostile road environment we'll be there for it uh down down in starkville it, it now is time like we're in the midst of that let's see what we are going into march so i'm really looking forward to them to go in and sustaining this momentum that they got it. it don't don't cough up that momentum that you have in your hand right now like you have it right here don't do this with it that is very clearly on the table down in Starkville. So big opportunity, Sean, big, big opportunity. Yeah. Run out opportunities to, to build momentum, like got to sustain it. And that's what I'm looking for on Tuesday night in a, another, another tough league game. So get another quad quad one opportunity there. And let's see what this, uh, let's see what this team's made of over the next couple of weeks before they get into the league tournament. And that league tournament's going to be a monster man. And I'm, I'm excited about it. Let's 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 not have to go down there till Friday. I would love to get that extra day of rest, extra day to kind of get ourselves ready for a huge game, uh, a huge weekend going down to Nashville. It's going to be a, gr- a great one. I haven't seen an extended trip in Nashville in a minute, so I'm rooting for that. I would love to be able to experience that. So get please just give us we're we're, we're rooting for Phoenix at the end of this. Like let us have this you know, sustained enjoyment. It's been a minute. Let's let's get to the point where we can all enjoy enjoy it together. This team deserves it. They're a blast. They're fun. Uh, they're they're talented enough to make it happen. So let's just put put it together, make it happen. So Sean, this was a blast. Appreciate you talking to me this late on this Sunday night. We had a lot, a ton of people on this show. So appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, being a part of uh, of our day and our Sunday night. Thank you so much for joining us on the chat. Make sure you get those uh, you know subscribes in and all the other f- fun stuff. This was a blast. But uh, without further ado, Sean, where can fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Subscribe to KSR Plus. Growing community over there. A lot of fun stuff going on where we break down every single game. Kind of our individual as they happen thoughts um you get scoop there that you don't hear anywhere else and uh, before everywhere else so make sure you go subscribe there subscribe to this channel 
make sure you comment, make sure you subscribe, make sure you keep on liking. Uh, we uh, put put in a lot of work for the show, so appreciate all of you joining us on this Sunday night, Sean. This was a blast. Uh, I guess we hopefully will be coming back on Wednesday with a big win from Starkville, uh, and we have some stories to tell. If if there's a, a big win, we'll have some stories to tell based on one of our uh, last trips down to to Starkville in the middle of COVID. That was just uh, that was a fun one. That was that was a very uh, interesting time of our lives. And we'll, we'll talk about it. The the leave you a cliffhanger. The one where we we were concerned that we may shut down the Kentucky men's basketball athletic program. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> just <laughs> talk, talk, talk about a, a, a you know radio tease. So that's what that's what we're here for. We'll see you on Wednesday. Uh, hopefully, back safe and sound with a win from Starkville. We will see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.